Thanks so much for joining us for the latest episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. Join us as Michael Merlin, founder of Merlin Wealth Management, and various friends and experts break down complicated financial topics to make them easy to understand. If you'd like more information about Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. And with that, here's founder of Merlin Wealth Management and private wealth advisor at Rockefeller Capital Management, Michael Merlin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Podcast. Uh, This is Michael Merlin, and I'm here today to talk to you about selling a business. As we all can, I'm assuming we can all, uh, we can all agree that selling a business is complicated. On one hand, the owner of the business is trying to realize the greatest potential for the business monetarily as well as strategically, which will impact him or her and his or her employees. Uh, And if it's the first monetization event for the owner, the owner also needs to have in mind how such an event would have, will affect their family, their beneficiaries, their heirs, uh, and in that context, their current or their need for current planning, uh, both from a financial trust, tax, and estate standpoint. Uh, oftentimes, the immediacy of a deal, uh, and whether that's expected or unexpected, can gloss over or push to the back of the of the mind the personal planning Um, and it's for that reason that business owners must always be aware and should probably be aware well before there's ever the possibility or the discussion of a liquidity event the the owner should be aware of their financial tax trust and estate planning options should there be uh the possibility or the opportunity for a liquidity event in addition uh considering the liquidity event in the context of that personal planning whatever that may be might inform the owner to accept a different offer so whether that offer is a stock offer a cash offer or a combination thereof as one would imagine a, a, an all-cash offer can sometimes be for a lower dollar amount given the certainty and immediacy of the liquidity. All in all, stock offer uh, might be higher considering that there's some risk for uncertainty embedded in the future stock price. So if the owner bases their decision just on, let's just call it risk tolerance alone, they may forego some p- potential strategic benefits. So for example, if an owner was willing to accept a stock offer, whether that be a combination or an all stock offer, finding ways pre-liquidity event to potentially move some of the future appreciation of that stock to beneficiaries on a estate tax uh, advantageous, in an an estate tax advantageous manner uh, is something to look at and also something to value and therefore could make a, a a particular kind of offer look more attractive financially than it might otherwise look without thinking through the personal planning or the tax planning or the estate planning pieces of a, of, a, of a particular deal or of a particular offer. And so the coordination of all of this is very important. 
right? Th there are lots of advisors involved. Um, forget a business, forget a business owner for just a second. Just for for any of our clients who are doing uh, strategic or complex uh, family trust, tax, or estate planning, there are a lot of advisors involved. Uh, you have Merlin Wealth Management. You have a financial advisor. You have uh, often a, you have an estate planning attorney, and you often have a CPA uh, involved in making sure that all aspects of the plan uh, are sound from a financial, legal, trust, tax, and estate standpoint. But in addition, when we were talking about um, a business owner who's looking at a strategic sale or a liquidity event, there are also advisors on the business strategy side. So you have an investment banker or some other, uh, some, some different tax consultants on that end looking at just the business side and really looking at it from the business's standpoint as to what uh, the impacts will be on the business, not just on the business owner, also on the employees, uh, et cetera. So uh, I think one of the things that we've learned with experience is making sure that there's cooperation, communication, and clarity and transparency between the bankers, the, the, the banking team, let's just call it, or the investment banking team, the team that's sort of representing the company and the advisory team that's representing the business owner uh, in these cases. So I think I think one one important two important points I guess to walk away from initially are a it, it, it's incredibly important to be thinking about personal planning in the context of or earlier than contemplating a strategic business move like a liquidity event, a sale, a merger, et cetera. That's number one. Number two, in thinking through your planning objectives, that could inform the type of deal that you would be interested in uh, one version over another. And then third, the way to get to all of that, the way to get to a sound plan and also sound strategy around uh, analyzing different deal, different deals and different offers and different structures is making sure that there's co coordination, communication, clarity and transparency between all the advisors involved in the process. And so those are th those are really the main uh, the main tenants. If you're looking at two things, one, if you're a business owner who's looking to do some personal planning or if you're a business owner that's already far along in that process and looking at strategic options for your business, those are the those are three huge pillars to make sure that you are are keeping in mind as you uh, walk down that path. Um, I, I thought it would be also informative to, to walk through maybe a couple of different planning scenarios where in the throes of a deal or in the throes of an offer sometimes can get overlooked. So the first thing I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, the first thing is pre-liquidity planning. Sometimes we get calls from business owners once a deal's already been signed or once a deal's already been struck. And that's fine, right? They, they've come up with an offer. They've come up with something that works for the business. They understand what their liquidity uh, is going to look like. And now they're saying, okay, I'm going to have this event. I'm going to get this cash or I'm going to get this cash in stock. I'm going to roll some of my proceeds back into the new company, whatever the case may be. But we get those calls to say, okay, what do we do now? 
And there's definitely some planning opportunities there, right? Typically, there's a, a significant tax uh, consequence to the transaction. And so the first thing we try to do is help the business owner manage that tax consequence in that in the calendar year so that we could reduce it in some way. What Post-transaction or post-event, there are a few strategies that we can employ, uh, some of which are, are charitable, charitably focused. So one thing uh, the business owner can do is if they have, uh, ideally, if they have appreciated assets um, outside of the liquidity that they're getting from the business sale, they could contribute some of those assets to a charitable remainder trust. Uh, that would give them a significant uh, charitable tax deduction, which would offset some of the tax liability from the transaction. And then we could diversify those assets inside the charitable remainder trust to provide an annuity stream of income, because in a lot of these cases, the business owner is either losing their income stream or their income streams being reduced significantly um, from the transaction or from the new status of the company, or if there's new ownership or if there's new leadership. And so that's one effective strategy. Um, other effective strategies are buying, uh, if you live in a state where there are uh, tax credits available, buying state tax credits in Georgia, where we are, uh, there are uh, film tax credits and low-income housing credits that can be purchased um, at a discount to fair value. And therefore, the, the state tax that you would owe on a transaction would be reduced by the discount you're able to buy those credits at. So it's another example of something that can be done post uh, post-transaction to help limit um, and or uh, and or reduce the uh, tax liability associated with the transaction. Uh, a third option, uh, which again has to be vetted uh, pretty significantly, is is investing in an opportunity zone investment. So, uh, just real quickly, opportunity zones. There's several thousand around the country where the government has uh, is trying to incent private investment into those areas. And if you invest, whether you're building a real estate project or you're starting a business in one of those areas, uh, you can fund that transaction with uh, capital gain dollars and defer the tax on those capital gain dollars. So if some of the dollars from the transaction or some of the dollars that would have otherwise been capital gain tax payment to the transaction uh, otherwise uh, goes into a opportunity zone investment, uh, that those tax dollars would be deferred for the period of time that you own own the opportunity zone. There's some nuances there that um, if people are interested, we can get into either on another episode of the podcast or separately. Um, but uh, the main thing about opportunity zones is it is an investment and you have to be uh, you have to be uh, comfortable with the investment itself, uh, not just throw money at it just because it's going to defer some tax. So uh, we're mindful of helping clients source those uh, when necessary and uh, you know, I think that's another strategy that can happen post-plan. Uh, but let's talk a few minutes about pre-planning. So there are some really effective things that can happen pre-planning. So, or sorry, it's not pre-planning, pre-liquidity. Sorry, my pre-liquidity. So if looking looking at pre-liquidity planning, what are some of the things you could do? Uh, if you, um, before you have a transaction, uh, if some of your company stock is owned by an entity, for example, a family LLC, a family limited partnership, um, where the owners of that partnership uh, or the stock in that partnership or the partnership interest in that partnership can be gifted or transferred to to uh, to entities, trusts uh, for the benefit of next generations, uh, charity, heirs, et cetera, um, then 
once that stock uh, is sold and assuming it's sold for a, a much higher value, a lot of that appreciation can pass onto the next generation and the and the and that increase that appreciation is not subject to estate tax in the business owner's estate. So that's a really effective uh, pre liquidity planning option. Uh, another option would be to move some of that stock to a donor advised fund where once that stock is moved into the donor advised fund, if then there's the liquidity event, there's clearly a larger there's a, some, there's appreciation associated and then that amount. Um, would be uh, a charitable deduction, obviously, as part of the transaction. And so um, that's usually done much closer to a transaction being imminent or being signed, uh, but at the same token gets the, the gets the owner a significant tax deduction uh, and, and, and is planned for uh, pre-liquidity. So um, that's another strategy. But 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 my advice to any business owner that's contemplating a transaction is see your advisors early see your lawyer see your accountant see your your financial advisor see them early the earlier you see them the more you can walk through different options both pre-liquidity and post-liquidity options to make sure that you're aware at least of all of the things that are available to you and then make thoughtful decisions about how you want to proceed with both the timing and the structure of your transaction uh, so I think that um, that that's important. Uh, another very effective tool, um, and we see this used uh, relatively often, but 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 um, th there was it was one of the the first tools, I guess I would say, um, uh, and it was used by the Walton family uh, of Walmart many 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 decades ago as a way to pass along appreciation from business assets to next generations. Uh, is something called the grantor retained annuity trust or a grat. And so essentially what a grat is, is that the owner can put stock in the company, let's just say in the grat. Uh, and, and this would be in a situation where the owner wasn't 100% confident at what the outcome uh, of that stock was gonna be. So for example, business is sold, you get stock in a new company, you're not sure whether the appreciation is gonna be significant or not, you hope it is, but you're not sure. So if you put that stock in a grat, uh, the the grantor, in this case the business owner, would get the 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 corpus value. So you put a million dollars of the stock in there. The, the the owner would get the million dollars back plus a a nominal interest rate at the end of the grant term. So say the grant's two years, three years, five years. At the end of that term, the owner would get that million dollars back. But the appreciation on the million dollars. So if the million dollars of stock turns into three million, the two million dollars of appreciation stays inside the grant, and that's on an estate tax free basis. And so that's actually a nice, almost have your cake and eat it too scenario where a business owner can uh, can still get the, the 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 nominal value or the principal value of of that stock back and and retain access to the, those funds because again, another incredibly important part of the personal planning is making sure that while we're focused on tax planning and estate planning and making sure we we're we're smart and intelligent about about reducing taxes and minimizing estate taxes in the future. We also primarily want to make sure that once a liquidity event occurs, the business owner is set up so that they have enough access to liquidity, um, both from an income perspective, from an asset perspective, uh, and from an access perspective to make sure that they 
can essentially do whatever they want and 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 live a whether it's a retired life or a semi-retired life in the manner in which they had been planning for 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 years and years and years. So, uh, making sure of that is, is very important. And a, and a grad is one type of a vehicle where the principal value of, of that stock would come back, so they would still get those assets back and have access to them. Another new newer uh, entity that that we've used a lot lately is is something called a spousal limited access trust. So this is a trust where the owner could gift using their estate tax exclusion assets to that trust. That would be considered a completed gift where those assets are now considered outside of the owner's estate. However, the owner's spouse would retain access to those assets in some limited capacity, whether it was an income interest or something of, along those lines, there could still be access. And so if there was a concern that something down the road unforeseen happens and the owner was feeling a little a little squeezed or a little a little tight on liquidity, they could always go back to the spousal limited access trust and access a portion of it um, for themselves. So um, these are just a couple of ideas, a couple of things we've seen, a couple of scenarios where uh, we've seen business owners make really smart decisions uh, as it relates to both pre-liquidity and post-liquidity planning. Um, but again, as I, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the main takeaway here is, is get, get your advisors together both on the business side and on the personal side and make sure that everyone is coordinating when there's an issue uh, of, uh, of a deal or a transaction at hand. Um, as, you, as many of you know, here at MWM, we, we are uh, dedicated to making sure that, that that kind of coordination occurs. In many cases, we help uh, facilitate that coordination and we're always happy to do that. And so if you're not sure where to start or you're not sure how to, to make that a seamless process, uh, by all means, give us a call and, and let us uh, let us guide you in some way, shape, or form. Um, so that's it for today's podcast. I'm very happy uh, to have been able to talk to you about this important issue, and I uh, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Taking the Complex and Making It Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. For more information on Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website, rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. Please stay tuned for an important legal disclaimer. This recording is provided for informational purposes only and is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or to participate in any investment strategy and should not be interpreted to constitute a recommendation with respect to any security or investment plan. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the presenters as of the date of this recording may not be current and are subject to change and are general in nature. Rockefeller Capital Management has no obligation to provide any updates or changes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Rockefeller Capital Management and may differ from the views and opinions of other departments or divisions of Rockefeller Capital Management and its affiliates. Rockefeller Capital Management is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. The information is not individualized. You should review any planned financial transactions or arrangement that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with your personal professional advisors. Rockefeller Capital Management does not guarantee the accuracy or reliability of the information provided in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. No investment strategy can guarantee profit or protection from loss. Future results may vary substantially from past performance. Investing involves risk, including a risk of loss. This recording may not be copied, reproduced, or distributed in whole or in part for any purpose without prior written consent. Rockefeller Capital Management is the marketing name of Rockefeller Capital Management LP and its affiliates. Merlin Wealth Management is part of Rockefeller Financial LLC, a broker-dealer and investment advisor duly registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Member Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Securities Investor Protection Corporation. The registrations and memberships mentioned in no way imply the SEC has endorsed the entities, products, or services discussed herein. Additional information is available upon request.